Hello and welcome to Monday's offering from Heart Standard, Monday's video or uh, audio, if you're listening as a podcast, offering from Heart Standard. My name is Joel Skett. I am joined by my colleague, James Kearney. Say hello, James. Hello, James. Yep. I thought that you were going to go down that route. Yep. Uh, people turning off uh, as, as as those words came out of your mouth. But uh, how's, how's things, James? How was a non-Hearts uh, hearts weekend for yourself? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, found myself a bit lost on Saturday. wasn't entirely sure what to do with myself. Um, but I managed to occupy my time, and thankfully um, the Scotland games have kept us ticking over, so that's kind of scratched the football itch, I suppose. But yeah, no, it felt weird Saturday afternoon rolling around and not being at a game for once. Uh, that took a wee bit of getting used to. Yeah, we'll obviously be back at the weekend. Tynecastle Park is Hearts Play St. Johnson in the Premiership, and we might touch on... Depending on how um, how long we, we speak on different points for, we might touch on the Scotland game from a Hearts perspective, i.e. Xander Clark and Lauren Shankland later on. But first, we are going to get cracking with a couple of questions that we left over from the Q&A from Friday. We spoke, we spoke plenty on Friday and these two questions were, were interesting and probably deserved a wee bit more, more time. So the first one is from at Grotehill underscore 1874 on Twitter. Are there any priority positions we should fill in the January transfer window or promote some youngsters, example, Mackenzie Kirk, Bobby McClucky, etc.? So regarding the January transfer window, when it's probably in the next, in, in a few weeks' time, when we get closer to the window opening, we will be uh, probably have a couple of episodes around that, around what can be expected, what we'd like to see happen, and also articles on potential transfer targets or uh, if there's anything that, that the club need to do. But looking at it now, we'll take, we'll, we'll remove the, 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 the youngsters aspect of the question because the next question from Scott McIntosh touches on that, so we'll combine that. So just regarding the priority positions that Hart should fill in the January transfer window, James, you talking off air, you had a couple that you would, you, you couple of areas you would like to maybe see improvement in. Yeah, but again, it's probably more to um, to flesh out the squad rather than to come in and be first team starters. Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of it comes down to uh, whether or not Naismith persists with the current uh, team's shape, or if he's going to change it. You know, so right now we we last saw it was like a back three with two wing backs, a number six, a right centre mid, a kind of left centre mid kind of attacking mid and then two, two forwards up top. Uh, I, I thought that that's that system's looked pretty good at a few different games this season. I think of, you know, County away, obviously Motherwell, the most recent match as well. And I think that there's, um, I think that system provides a lot of, I think it gets a lot out of the players that Naismith has to call upon. So I think, so Going on the basis that Naismith is likely to stick with that, which he probably isn't, let's be honest, but you know, uh, but, you know we, we can only go off what we can go off of. Um, uh, so I would think that first off, I'd probably say in defence, probably there's probably a man short there. There's probably you're probably missing out on one centre back. I would argue uh, just because obviously on the left hand, at left wing back, you've got Cochrane and Kingsley who are kind of nominally sharing that role. If one of them, if Cochrane's to get injured, for instance, Kingsley, who has been playing at right centre back, is going to end up playing at left wing back. So you probably need somebody else to go in there. Right now, you look at the squad. Obviously, Halkett still to come back from injury. Uh, you've got Toby Sibbock, who could play there as well. But I think that 
if, particularly if Hearts are going to be sticking with the back three, maybe just one more body in there just to provide an extra bit of cover could come in really handy. Because I think, as I say, I, I just think that with Kingsley currently occupying right centre back, but also being another option at left wing back, there's a Naismith perhaps a wee bit shorter of options in that area should there be any more injuries or suspensions or anything like that. So I, I think that's one area where the Hearts could probably strengthen. But as I say, it's probably going to be. I would I would think that if somebody did come in during a January window, it's probably got someone who's coming in to be um, perhaps fourth choice out of the uh, the three starting centre halves or something similar. So I think that maybe I kind of I, I think probably a, a younger player, someone who's not going to expect to be playing week in week out, um, and who's also got room to grow and be uh, got room to develop. Preferably someone who's quite good on the ball as well, because I look at the right centre back role in particular and think that's probably one where a little bit more depth is required. Because I think Halkett and Kent, they're both quite similar players. They can both easily do the central defensive role. Uh, if one of them's like a wee bit further out on the right, can they do it? Probably, but are they most comfortable there? Probably not. So I think that yeah, just an, another ball playing defender, one who could play on the right, could go, could really help. Just because I think that that's one area where. Hearts are a little bit shy at the moment, or potentially they could be if uh, there was a run of nasty injuries or something like that, which, as we've already seen, uh, can happen. You know, like the defense has been not quite decimated, but you know, it's been there's been a lot of significant absentees for a big chunk of the season, and if that happens again, it could leave Hearts really short of options. I think. And anywhere else? Uh, the the other area as well would be at number six. So again, this depends on whether or not Naismith is going to stick with playing with a number six or not. Um, I think since Benny Beningiri has come back into the team, sort of regained his match fitness, he's looked excellent there. He just does the simple stuff really well, and that's brilliant. But one concern I mean, would be if he, if Beningiri cannot play for whatever reason, if he's injured, if he's suspended, if he suffers a dip in form, who, who else can you play in there? Uh, I think one option is perhaps Callum Neuenhoff. But I don't think that's his best position. I think he could do a job in there if he absolutely had to. But I don't think he offers the same sort of composure on the ball. Or I don't think he recycles possession quite as well as someone like Beningame. And then the other op- after that, the only other really options there would either be Peter Haring or Andy Halliday, neither of whom seem to be uh, particularly high up Naismith's pecking order at the moment. And they're both getting on a wee bit. Um, Haring as well, obviously, coming back from injury. He's not convinced, I don't think, when he has played in recent weeks but to be fair he's not played in that number six role where he's probably got that little bit more protection else from elsewhere so again i would think that just in the, just to plan in the instance of if beningame is fit and he's playing well he's got to start but on the instances that he cannot play for whatever reason there's not really another option there which could, I, I don't i don't think there's an option there that's as reliable as supporters would like so I think that's maybe another area where, again, it'd be someone coming in who probably won't be starting most weeks, but again, can just provide that cover for Beningi because Beningi is not going to be able to play every minute of every game between now and the end of the season. And if he's not playing right now, it's difficult to see how Hearts could play the same way with the personnel that they've got, I think. So my view on this question was, uh, my initial view was, I didn't think Hearts really needed anyone other than if they someone became available who would instantly make the first 11 better mm. because <clears> of the players coming back from injury. got Barry McKay, Nathaniel Atkinson, Craig Alcott and Craig Gordon. They should all be 
<laughs> you never know what happened with hearts and injuries and recuperation time and when when players are actually going to be uh, back. But you're looking with the with the winter break that you're not going to be playing for a couple of weeks. Then you and but January business very rarely gets done in the first couple of days, so you've got mm. loads of time to get um to get stuff done, but also players back. So with that, you're, you're adding four, arguably four first team. Uh, well, four first team players, but uh, potentially four starters into back into the mix. So my my initial view was no, I don't think, don't think the team needs anyone other than if the a certain player is going to be or a certain target is immediately adding to the to the team. I think you make a probably a good point. One I agree with most from uh, of the two you said was uh, potentially right-sided centre-back again. It depends what Hearts are going to play, if it's going to continue playing mm. for back four or back three. Sibic's it's, it's, it's just been probably just been too inconsistent. It's, it's, can you can you really say he's been reliable uh, when called upon and He's, he's not this season. We've seen, we've seen or like last season, we've seen really good moments. This season, we've seen really good moments from him. And then there's still aspects of his game where he needs to improve. It's like, how long do you give a player to to improve? You want to see want to see more from him? Because I think there's a really, really good player within there mm. that needs to offer more consistency. So again, it's if you're bringing a right side, you send it back in there. It's almost a message to Civic that don't really don't really fancy him. I see Graham's mentioned on the Facebook com- comments, Graham Duthie, that a uh, right back has to be priority again. Atkinson has shown improvement under uh, under Naismith progression, and would quite like to have seen. Uh, it's unfortunate he's got his injury, so I'd like to see how he developed under uh, under Naismith because he did seem fancied. I think he's probably more suited to the way that Naismith wants to uh, wants to play. Now with Beningame, the number six role. This is where you touch on the second aspect of the question regarding youngsters. I think if Naismith really fancies Denham, then I think there's an op- uh, opportunity for Denham in that number six role. If Binningham, for example, is is out or he wanted another option to give him minutes there, because if he's not going to get minutes at uh, minutes in in that in that role, if someone's injured, then is he ever going to get a lot of minutes? We saw it the week uh, for the under twenty ones. He came on and played right wing back against yeah. Belgium. He did actually. He did actually pretty well. And uh, so it was more like our, our actual right back in the back five, just the way that Scotland set up. So he had that very silly. And then you've got Macaulay Tate as well, another player who is well liked by Naismith. Saw him for the first, really saw him for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and he looked um, he looked really good. Uh, the way he took the ball, the way they recycled it, the way he drove forward with it. Again, we'll come on to talk about uh, talk about youngsters a wee bit more later on. So I, I'm not. I know the January transfer window fans is, are often, uh, or just in any January transfer or any window, sorry, whether it's summer or winter, that they want want signings and mm. but. It's it's one of those. I, I don't really want to sign someone who's going to make the team a lot better. I want to leave that pathway open for if a young player does develop. The one area I would like, I mean, one, it's it's not so much a position. It's a attribute quality. I want to see more pace in the Hearts team. Mm. Uh, I think that's 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 really uh, really important. I I just don't think sometimes we lack just uh, just lack uh, blistering pace and you saw it against Motherwell it was good because well we dominated possession but in that team there wasn't anyone who's 
who goes to ATB very, very quickly. Forrest, probably the quickest on the pitch. Uh, so pace is one. I'm always, I've always had a soft spot for Joe Nubley. I know he's, uh, hmm. he, um, he, he's a defensive character in terms of his output and whether he's whether he's good enough. He's, he's not the quickest, but he's he adds unpredictability to and physicality to the forward line. And then I suppose, and I suppose. I think a lot of fans would like to see a box-to-box midfielder. I think you've spoken to spoken about it with Scott McIntosh before. And he's mm-hmm. made the point that they keep be a dying art and hearts have had two of the very best ones: well, Scotland and Colin Cameron and, and Paul Hartley. That the kind of the, that direct player, Devlin, I think has the box-to-box qualities, but maybe not the output as as those two players. So these are these are wee bits and bobs, but by and large. I think we you look at the squad when everyone's fit, it's quite a deep squad. Still got like uh, Tagawa as well. He was but he's back in the squad <clears> now. <throat> um I think he's still adapting. Heard good things about him in training. Uh but training is very different to a game. And we have to remember that I think it's a really uh, really important point that he's come from uh, come from Japan. He's never played in Scotland before, he's played in Europe before, but it does take Time for guys to die. Look at James uh, Alan Forrest. It took him. Uh, he came from Livingston, and he was in and out of the team last season. And it's only really now he's started to, to like contribute on a consistent basis. So I think there there, there are those things to consider with with, with with Tagawa. But yeah, January transfer window will be interesting. It's something we will explore more. The which which leads on to the, the, the second question. Uh, from Scott McIntosh was that given the recent yearly accounts, would it be prudent for the club to be proactive in their spending and adopt the strategy of filling squad and bench spaces with more academy players, better doing it now rather than waiting on donations to potentially stop? So I know, James, you've not seen a lot of the B team, don't know a lot of the particular lot of the, the, the players involved, but is is that something that you think Hart should be looking at with with having with trying to maybe minimise the size of the squad and kind of contribute to it with youngsters? I mean, <clears throat> perhaps. I mean, <clears throat> if the players are good enough, then yeah, absolutely. You <clears throat> you want them filling in the squads and doing that. That's that's, that's why you have an academy. <clears throat> that's why you've got a B team. The whole that the whole, the whole idea is that yeah you're developing these players so they're ready for first team football when the opportunity arises. <clears throat> every club in Scotland, every club in the world wants to see their academy producing players that can get that are, can get involved with first team, can get minutes, can flesh out the squad. And I mean, to be fair, I think Hearts' academy, if you look at it over the long haul, it does have a history of producing like <clears throat> good Premiership quality players at the very least, if not better. So I think that. Yes, that like always. I think everyone would like to see that. You know, but the big question is whether or not the whether or not those players are ready to make that step up. You know, they're playing in the Lowland League, which is what the fifth tier of Scottish football. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big, it's a sizable jump going from that, which is you know part time football against amateurs, and then moving up to Premiership football where you're playing against internationals in some instances. So, yeah, it's it's a very big jump to make, but. Um, I, 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 all of it comes again. It just all comes down to whether or not the players are ready to make that jump. And to be honest, <clears throat> there's probably, <clears throat> pardon me, 
there's probably no one better place to make that assessment than Stephen Naismith. Obviously, he's the current head coach, but obviously he had time at the academy, the B team before that. He knows these players. He knows exactly what they're capable of and you know where the, what stage of the development they're at. So I think that Scott's point is... Um, I think Scott's point is right. You know, the fact that, yes, the Hearts should be aspiring to fill out the squad with Caddy players, giving them minutes. And again, like he says, that long-term thing of it, it weans reliance off of uh, investor <clears throat> like loans or people p- 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 uh, p- putting money in, which isn't um, which isn't going to last forever. You know, you don't want to do that forever. You need to become sustainable. Obviously, Hearts know that better than most clubs out there, the importance of being financially uh, self-sustaining. And like Academy is a great way to do that. So I think that, yeah, I think I think everyone would like to see more Academy players given a chance. But I guess the question, my point would be that <clears throat> if those players aren't ready to make that step up, then that's where you need to start looking into the market, <clears throat> which is why I'm, which is why I was touting, for instance, a number six or a right-sided centre-half, because if those players aren't getting opportunities at the moment, which, let's face it, they're not, not in the first team with, the, with one or two exceptions, um, then that would suggest to me they're probably not quite ready yet, or Naismith doesn't think they're quite ready yet. And so in order to plug those gaps in the meantime, you might have to then go to the market, and wherever, even if it's just bringing a guy in on loan for six months or maybe getting an older player in on a short-term deal, again, just to provide that cover. But um, yeah, again, yeah, I would, I would, yeah, we'd all like to see it. We'd all like to see academy players getting more minutes. But <clears throat> um, I would, I would imagine that the players at the B team who are in the B team at the moment, Naismith doesn't seem to think that they're quite ready yet. Um, so that could be that's obviously a big barrier for them. So there is, there is an if there's an issue with the Elson should be noticed. There's there's an issue with playing in the B team and playing the first team. And uh, Murray uh, on Facebook makes the Makes the point about what do you think uh, guys think of the rule as Adam Denham now in the first team? I can't now play for the B team, so I believe I should have looked at this before uh, before coming on because I thought maybe this would have been brought up. Or I should have brought it up was I think the the ruling for the first year of Hearts in the uh, the Lone League changed. Uh, I think perhaps changed from year to year, but I, I believe that once you've played uh, five, so have you played five first team games? Being a, uh, play five first team games, you can no longer play for it. Rules you out for uh, playing for the B team, I believe, is the uh, is the rule. So there's always that balance where you give minutes to a player, uh, five minutes here, ten minutes there, and then next thing you know, they're not able to play the B team mm. game. B team, and the big thing for the B team is to give these players sh- structure in their development where they are training uh, like periodization of training they're getting into that routine of being a first team player that they know a game is coming at the weekend which has not always been the case when if the if hearts didn't have a b team game the mm. uh, b team they'd be having organized friendlies and organized games and it's a wee bit it, it's it's not as it's not as structured whereas this is given uh, players they they know when they're training they know when they're eating they know when they're playing and there is there's there's kind of a routine of getting the kind of the first team routine, I think that's that's a big thing, uh, or get like a first team environment, which is big for them. And it also should be noted a lot of these guys do train with the first team from time mm-hmm. to time, so they've been involved in that area. And it's it's one of those where do you play? Do you put just say Bobby McClucky on the first on the bench, and then 
for example, like the, um, I'm just trying to think when was the last time we played. So last Saturday when when we were playing Motherwell, do you play? Do you bring Bobby McClucky along and put him on the bench? But then he's not played against. I think it was Edinburgh United. Mm. Uh, sorry, sorry, Edinburgh University. It's that balance between is his development better by being involved in the first team on the bench, maybe not getting any minutes, or playing a game of football on this on, on the Saturday in in the Lowland League. It's it's that balance. I, I'm not I'm not sure what the uh, what the correct answer is. Like I said, Naismith's a really good position to a position to judge. I've watched a fair bit of the on and off this season off the, the B team. I think there's there's a few players that I like. I've mentioned Macaulay Tate and I know he's someone that Naismith likes. Uh, a lot, the, the person that's been spoke about a lot is Mackenzie Kirk. He's scored a lot of goals in the, the B team. In my opinion, watching him, I'm not sure I'm not sure he's ready to make the st- uh, step up and just say, "Oh, bring him on for Shankland." I think that's I think it's probably too much to ask, and I think he's probably someone that you you're looking at and maybe would benefit from a loan spell elsewhere in the SPFL to get used to because he came up. I would seen him most of the time. I seen him was against University of Stirling, and he didn't get a sniff. The Uni defence were. We're all over him. He wasn't involved in the game as much, and I still think there's that that physicality that's that's massive for, especially that position when he's playing with his back mm. to goal. It's okay for maybe a winger because they can get a wee bit more space and run it uh, run at players. That physicality is that that's a big thing, and that again, that's something that we're working on behind the scenes at the at the club with gym programs and nutrition, which is which is massive in that condition side. Players who. Uh, obviously, Adam Forrester was uh, named on the bench, uh, highlighted right back. They mentioned Macaulay Tate. Uh, Callum Sanderlands is another one who is, I think he looks like he has physically improved, but he's also, I would say, a, a different kind of player that Hearts don't have in the, in the first team with the midfield where he can drive forward. He likes to play passes and behind opposition defence, but he also likes to get into the box and score goals. That kind of box-to-box player I was talking about earlier, he's, he would have that threat. So he's certainly one to to keep an eye on. I think, uh, again, high hopes from Bobby McClucky is probably the most exciting player. I think he's... A typical winger, and that he can be, he can be exhilarating one minute, frustrating mm. the next. But again, every time I, every time I go and watch the B team, it's he's he's one that I'm kind of looking forward to watching just to see what he can conjure up. And then there's a right back who caught my eye at the start of the season called Rocco Frio. I think he's been injured recently. Certainly not seen him. Um, certainly not seen him play too much recently. I think he, I think he does have an injury again. Someone who looks physically imposing, really composed on the ball. And has definitely has a bit about him, but it is. I think it's the biggest, probably the the biggest difficulty, the biggest uh, balancing act that there is with the bringing youth players into the team because you need to also take into the cat that fans will moan about why we're not producing any players, and then at the same time we'll moan about not signing players. Or they'll bring players into the the first team and then moan about them not being good mm. enough. But then also you need to balance it with they're just 17, 18, 19, 20. This is their first this is their first exposure of first team football. You, they need like similar like signings, they need to be given patience, they need to be given time to adapt, to make mistakes, to learn. And it's it's create it's trying to create that environment. And I do think Naismith is really conscious of that. Naismith really Big thing for Naismith about him getting the job was 
his work with the B team, his work mm-hmm. in the youth team, that Hearts are really, really keen to increase that pathway because the uh, the academy was neglected towards the end of uh, Romanoff's spell at the, at the club, and then Craig Levine had to come in as director of football and try and provide some structure, direction to it, and now uh, following COVID and then changes with Felix Savage coming in, they wanted to make changes and trying to take it on to the, even the next level. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a work in progress, but it's, it's something they really want, and that's why a key reason why Naismith got the job. Naismith has spoken before about recruitment, how he wants to have this, he wants to have a, a core squad that when players are signed, they're not having to be performed straight away. They can be given time to adapt and time to bed in and uh, get used to the, the, the culture, both living in a new country, living, uh, joining a new, your team, a club, etc., etc. That's where I think youth players could help in that if we have this steady flow from the youth into the, the, the first team, that there's guys who are ingrained in the club, they know what it's about and uh, can be trusted to play. So, yeah, it's it's a very um, it's, it's it's a very complex situation. Not not complex. It's a very uh, interesting uh, situation where it's sometimes you 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 can see you can look at someone in the B team and like mm, don't think he's, he's he's great or he's he's average or he's not as good as others. And then you move them. You can move two players into the, uh, the first team, and the player who was perhaps performing not as well in the B team compared to the other could thrive in a first team environment. Whether it's uh, position or the way the first team play or just the the, the demands, the pressure, the, uh, the the intensity of games might suit a certain player better than it, it does others. So there's there's just so many things up in there about developing young youngsters, which is uh, um, which is interesting. Why I don't just like oh play young. Uh, it's, I think it's important not to go OTT criticism or uh, this way or that way. No, yeah, <clears throat> Joe. I think you make a really good point there as well. The fact that <clears throat> There are certain players who, um, for instance, they might not be playing to their full potential in the B team, but then when they get a chance in the first team, might excel. Part of that is because there are certain players who just play better when they've got better players around them. You yeah, know, and obviously yeah. the first team is better than the B team. So yeah, there are certain players like that who just, once them, you know, the standard around them has been raised, they adapt to that a lot quicker. But I, you may, I think the, the thing that you said, though, that I think it's an excellent point, is the fact that it is this balancing act that needs to be struck. Like, it is a tightrope, and I'm not sure what the right answer is. I mean, you look at, like you say, if, you know, what's more valuable playing five minutes, the last five minutes off the bench against Motherwell or playing 90 minutes against Edinburgh Uni? I'd I'd suggest it's probably 90, but then if it's, okay, well, would you rather have four or five games at that level, Lowland League level, or 45 minutes in the Premiership? And then I go, well, actually, the 45 minutes in the Premiership sounds like a good deal to be there because I think you're going to learn a lot in that time. Yeah. So again, it's that thing where it's it's a really difficult balance in that to make. Like you know, I don't know, and like you said, it's, it's difficult because you want to have that that structure with the um, B team players and academy players so they're into that rhythm of okay, match day minus two. This is what we do. Match day minus one. This is what we do. The day after the game, this is how we analyze. The day after that, this is how we start preparing for the next game. You know, you need they need to get into that structure and that um, that routine of what it's like just playing week in, week out, regular football. But at the same time, you know, we all know the Lowland League with the greatest respect to it, it's not the best level in the world, you know, and there's only there probably is a limit as to how much you can learn there before yeah. you actually need to test yourself. So I think like at a higher level. So I think that for instance the Lowland League it's presumably very good for developing um 
players' uh, physicality, as you said, because obviously it's going to be a lot more physical than you're going to get in the Premiership. You know, it's a bit more rough and tumble, um, a bit more kind of quintessential Scottish football, I suppose. You know, it's always kind of uh, hard men knocking lumps out of each other. But then I think when you get to the Premiership, it's going to be a completely different kind of task that awaits because there's going to be a lot more asked to be tactically. You know, it's going to be the football that you're going to be playing is going to be a lot more sophisticated. So is the opposition, what they're trying to do. Um, and I think that again, when you looked at their, when you are trying to make that step up, like those are the matches, like those like twenty minutes, half an hour, forty minutes against the Premiership teams. Those are the ones where you're going to learn. Oh right, okay, I see. I can now see. I can get away with that in the loan. Like I can't get away with that in the Premiership. Or Joe, <clears throat> this is something that. Um, oh, this is a Joe. I'm a great dribble with the ball. I'm great at uh, beating a man and getting across in. Maybe you're good at doing that against guys in the loan league, but <clears throat> when you do it against a, uh, you know. Of international fullback, you can't do it anymore. You have a different way of playing. So again, it's easy, it's all these little things that um, go into these decisions. But yeah, I certainly it's, I don't envy Naismith because it's not an easy one. It's not an easy decision to make. But sometimes, sometimes it's just a case of you look at. I think these are special cases because these guys are were obviously very very good. Gary Naismith was chucked in against Celtic at sixteen year old. Aaron Hickey was, yeah. I think his third appearance. So he came off the bench against Aberdeen, made his first start against Celtic in the league, and then was thrown a Scottish Cup final against Celtic and excelled at like sixteen. So sometimes you just mm. got, you know what, kind of sink or swim almost. Like just take that risk and we'll see if it pays off. Just put, just put, uh, just 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 give. Uh, if you if you if you really like a youngster, may as well just get, give him in. It's like um, kind of rip the bandaid off uh, almost, and just just chuck him in and see 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 how it goes. So yeah, it's um, especially with I think uh, Derek Scottier makes the makes the point that with nine uh, you've got you've got nine like players on the bench. So there's always space mm. for, for for youngsters, but again the. Balance it with do they play games or etc. So, yeah, like I said, it's it's an interesting one, and we'll we'll move on because just want to touch on Scotland and Shankland and uh, Xander Clark on the their involvement over the last two games for for Scotland. Firstly, uh, a couple of questions, uh, Graham. Uh, do you think there'll be a chance will be offers for Shankland in January? And how much would be acceptable? And Michael Donald uh, about Shanks will be at Hearts after. Uh, January. So we we kind of spoke about that. We spoke about mm. this on Friday. We're around Shankland. I would imagine there would be interest in them in, in in January. But at the same time, I think whoever comes in from would need to give Hearts a lot of money for him. And we speculated how much that would be uh, on on Friday's show. So yeah, I think I think Hearts would. Um, I think Hearts would be hard to deal with, especially regarding Shankland. The piece went up on Hearts Saturday about the the player trading model that the, the club want to uh, want to bring in funds through selling on players. However, again, it's it's a balancing act because they need to be replaced. And how much how much is Shankland worth in a transfer fee compared to how much he's worth to the team and trying to qualify from Europe this season into next season. So yeah, that if we, we spoke about that on spoke about that on Friday, but we did see Shanklin score his second goal. Uh, not his first, his second goal for Scotland in the 2-2 draw with Georgia last week coming off the bench. Everyone thought well, certainly I thought uh, he would have started against Norway and then unfortunately it was Jacob Brown who started up front rather than Shanklin. And then, 
he saw that there was a, I think it was a triple change around our mark or whatever, and Jacob Brown went off. He's like, oh, perfect, a good opportunity for Shanklin to get some minutes. Nope, Lyndon Dykes came on, and then Shanklin was brought on in the, I don't know, was it the 86th or 89th minute or something? Got Something like that, yeah. A handful of minutes, which was uh, which, which was very, very frustrating because you think this would be a striker full on confidence, and I understand he wasn't in the squad originally, but full of confidence. You'd like to see... Okay, maybe Clark wants to see more of Jacob Brown and he's been around the squad perhaps a wee bit longer and if, whether it's a, a reward for that. But then to bring on Lyndon Dykes, Clark knows everything there is to know about Lyndon Dykes. Just bring on Shanklin for that last uh, that last hour, half hour at least because you're not sorted him and give him, give him some game time to get into it and see what, see what he can do. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we all wanted to see Shanklin play. I think even you're going back with like, Going by what people were saying on Twitter last night, basically everyone, even non-Hearts fans, were wanting to see Shank come on and see what he could do. I, I suppose the most um, the most optimistic way of looking at it would be that after his goal against Georgia, Steve Clark has decided that Shanklin's on the plane and in the squad anyway, and maybe he's not sure about Jacob Brown. Maybe that's the most popular. Maybe that's the most uh, optimistic way you could look at. Yeah, it. that's. I kind of jokingly tweeted that yeah last night, but uh, I think people were taking that really, really seriously when uh, I was having replies. But no, it was that's that. I was it was kind of just uh, tongue in cheek when I uh, when I suggested that. Uh, but again, it makes uh, sense. <laughs> no, yeah. Again, though, yeah. I think that I think part of it comes down to the fact that we know Steve Clark is very loyal to his players. You know, you look at the squads over the last. God, even the last couple of years, there's not really many changes. A lot of the same players get called up, even if they've not maybe been playing for a club side, they're still in the squad. He likes having a, a largely similar group of players every international window. So I think that that's probably why we ended up seeing uh, Brown, for instance, starting. But yeah, bringing on Dykes last half hour or so was mystifying, I, I suppose, uh, particularly when you know Shankwin's had to feed off scraps. He's only been coming on for a few minutes at a time. And you think, especially after coming on for a few minutes against Georgia, getting the getting the equaliser, surely he's done enough there in a few more minutes, but uh, apparently not. No. So, um, yeah, definitely would have liked to have seen more of Shankland, but I think that even these two games there, even though he's only played, what, 10 minutes all in, I think he's shown enough within that 10 minutes to, I think he can book his, whole, I think he can book his uh, seat to Germany next summer. I think he's going to be on the plane no matter what now, oh, unless he gets injured, of course. But um, I think that he did. You know, they said in that ten minutes he showed more than Jacob Brown scored and showed in the sixty minutes that he played. Um, and I think that I mean it's, it's a point that's been echoed a lot over the last few days. But Shankland is Scotland's best goal scorer at the moment. He is like Lyndon Dykes. He's got a lot of qualities, but you know he's he's never exactly been prolific or reliable in front of goal. Jay Adams is a, is a very good striker. He's probably is the best striker Scotland have in terms of yeah, his I, I agree with ability, that. but he's out of form. Uh, Jacob Brown, again, he's playing at a Luton Town team. He's not, he's not, I don't think he scored yet this season. He's not scoring goals. Whereas Shankland, you know that he, Shankland is an actual goal scorer. That's obviously the best part of his game, but as Hearts fans are very aware, he offers so much more than that as well. Yeah. And like that's why he's suited to international football, in my opinion. It's not that he scores he just scores goals, which he does. It's his all-round play, which is the sign of an international level striker, I would argue. Yeah, it's it's I, I'm I'm a massive, massive fan of Lyndon Dykes. I think I, I look at Lyndon Dykes like, oh, he'd be a great heart uh, heart striker just because he is he's a pain in the arse, he's physical, mm. he's a nuisance. 
Uh, okay, he doesn't score uh, score loads of goals. I think he there's 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 an option for him. There's definitely Dykes has to be in that squad because absolutely he, yeah. He, he, he brings chaos and it's great seeing him ruffle up defenders uh, playing in Europe because they just really don't like dealing with him. However, we've seen Dykes so many times. Everyone knows what he's, he offers. He offers just play Shanklin because Shanklin is I think. I think he's better than Dykes. I think he's a better footballer than Dykes. Mm. I think yeah, he's well. He is a better goal scorer. He's he's Scotland's best. Uh, of players are available to Scotland, he's the best they have as a goal scorer. And he has to be on that plane. And I would imagine as long as he stays fit in relatively good form, he, he, he will. Like Clark can't can't ignore him. He's, no, he's made, I think that's the case. That is, yeah, it has to be. And it just I, I just found it when I seen the I can. Was it was annoyed with the starting lineup? I could see it, and then but then the substitute substitution just just blew blew my mind. Uh, mm. I was just like, "What are you doing?" I was even I was I was at fifty cent, and I was looking at it, uh, not um, going with my partner, and uh, well, she was uh, singing along to um, like in the club or PIMP. I'm looking at my phone, just shaking my head, like, "Why, why, why are you bringing Dykes on for Shanklin?" Anyway, that's that's enough of that. I mean, to, do you hear though? Just to quickly throw out, there, I mean, the, the the same thing happens in other positions. How many times have um, is you know Scotland be taking off a centre mid with twenty minutes to go, and you think, oh right, here's a chance for Lewis Ferguson, and it came McLean strolls on. You know, it's like it's a it's a thing we've seen before. Again, that's that Clark thing about he likes to be loyal to his players. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the other one is oh, do we touch on Xander Clark? Uh, yeah, so I, I think you do. I um, obviously wasn't his wasn't his best. I, I I didn't watch the game in full, but I watched the highlights and. I, to just with my the way my Twitter is uh, set up. Is um, that it was very much hearts focused to Scotland, so the, mm. there was there was a lot of uh, question marks around Shankland, and then there was but for a different reason there was question marks about Clark. The, the I think the the big one over the two games is a third goal last night. Yeah, uh, you can see. I mean, uh, us us saying uh, Clark did did the poor poor there. Um, I mean. Clark doesn't need to be told that. You can see in his reaction that he was absolutely uh, raging with himself because he, he misjudged it. And I suppose, I suppose that's the that's the big thing. That if I was critical of Clark, since uh, as a hard goalkeeper, it's sometimes his decision making. It can be hesitant, and it can be uh, sometimes decision making from from crosses. Um, can be uh, can be questions, and we we've seen it there. He just just mm. just didn't read read it at all. Aye, no, I, I, I don't know how much there is to say to be honest. Because, like, yeah, as we said, yeah, the third goal, yeah, it's a, it's a bad mistake. It's cost the team a goal. Fine. Uh, aside from that, during the game, he was largely okay. You know, he didn't. Um, he maybe could have done a wee bit better at the second as well. I suppose. So the, the, the so the first one, he, the first one took a deflection. The second, the, the, the second one, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, oh. But then the more I watched it, the fact it came off McGregor, I think he re- reacted quite mm. well, well to that. And then it kind of just yeah, spilled over him. It just it, lo- it looked it looked messy, but I don't think it was a, a mis- like a, a fault or mistake. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's my point. It's like I don't I don't think he's to blame for that one. It could have he could have perhaps done a wee bit better, but maybe that's me being a bit harsh. Um, but to be honest, I mean, I, you know, we saw him play that forty-five minutes against France and Lille, and you know, France are one of the best, if not the best, teams in the world. And again, he was largely fine then as well. You know, so I, I think that, I mean, I don't think it will be starting for Scotland by the time the Euros kicks off in Germany next summer. I don't think that's likely to happen. But will mm. it be part of the squad still? Yeah, because I, mean, I saw some people saying, "Oh, he's got to go. He's got to go from squad. He's not good enough." But I mean, you'd imagine that Angus Gunn 
will probably be the um, starting goals, unless, of course, Craig Gordon makes it back into the Scotland squad, which would be absolutely wonderful. I think we'd all love to see that. That'd be a, that'd I, I, I mean, story. If, if, if Gordon, uh, if so Ross Barker asked when is Gordon back, I mean, I was hopeful, I was hopeful that he'd be back this month, but the way needs, they've been very conservative, the hearts have mm. been very conservative with it, and they're looking at more likely after the international break. I'm, I'm still so doubtful about uh, sorry, the winter break, I'm so doubtful about that. I'm hoping to see Halkett and uh, Gordon before then, but I think if Gordon's fit, I, if, if Gordon's fit, then he's going to be hearts number one, and if he's hearts number one, he's going to the Euros. Yes, no, absolutely, yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think the interesting thing is, though, yeah, Gordon's comeback could potentially nudge Clark out of the squad, but I would imagine the fact that Clark played um, these last two matches for Scotland would suggest he's ahead of Liam Kelly in the pecking order. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's served as well because I think that um, Kelly, well, I think in the past he's been an excellent goalie. I think he's not quite shown that same same level of form this season, and obviously Motherwell are struggling quite heavily at the moment as well. Um, so I, I would imagine that. Uh, yeah, we might end up actually seeing two Hearts goalkeepers at the Euros next summer on that squad because presumably uh, Clark's going to pick three. But um, yeah, and I, I know some people were saying, "Ah, oh, Joe, this, these games showed Xander Clark is not cut out for Scotland; they can't do it." I, I don't think that. I think that's harsh. I think that's a bit unfair. Um, and again, he's still starting ahead of Liam Kelly, which to me suggests that he's still performing better than Kelly. And I think if anyone's going to be looking nervously over their shoulder between now yeah. and next summer, it's going to be Liam Kelly. So the, the the big thing with uh, big thing with Clark spoke to I spoke to someone um, to play for Scotland and he kind of, we're asking him about who you'd go for Clark or Kelly and Kenny kind of went Clark because of his presence I think he's a bigger goalkeeper big uh, mm. than, than, than than Kelly etc etc et we'll leave it there we have we've, we've spoken for forty one minutes James that's uh, far yeah. longer than we usually do so we we're going to speak about uh, Foundation of Hearts reaching sixteen million. Uh, milestone, but again, it's there's not a lot to add. Fantastic effort as uh, as ever from the the organisation, the fans who continue to pledge their money and the 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 ambitious plans that they have, which you can read on Heart Standard. We've got interviews with Jerry uh, Jerry Mellon about the ambitious plans from years uh, from earlier this season, early in the year. We talked uh, we talked about various things with Foundation of Hearts and that I tweeted one of the pieces the, this morning as well, just if, uh, so if people want to see that, they can go on, on the uh, Heart Standard X account or Twitter account and you, you can find it there. So until Wednesday, we'll be back Wednesday morning, hopefully uh, have a good day and be sure to check out heartstandard.co.uk for all the latest from Hearts, features, interviews, etc, etc, you'll find on there. Coming this week, a couple of pieces from James, including a look at Lauren Shankland and his his goal-scoring uh, feats for the for the club and how, how good he's been. And also there's a really interesting piece on the midfield balance that James has done around Beningamy, Devlin and Lowry, a wee bit of Newhoff and Haring as well. So that'll be up this will be up in the next couple of days, so be sure to check out that. Until then, thank you very much. And remember, you can listen to this on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes as well. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. I've there done it go. again. There you go. <laughs>